I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And there he will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The first line talks about God, our Father, the Almighty Creator, and most monotheistic religions in the world acknowledge a higher being, a God who is the Father and the Creator. My Muslim students at Thanksgiving often tell me that Allah created all of the earth and all the people, and they also remind me that Allah created Canada so that they would have a safe place to live. And I think it's so cute because they are so they so much believe it. They are so thankful to Allah. But those of us who call ourselves Christians provide um, no uh, acknowledge our belief in Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done um, is important. It makes us distinct from all other religions. Our belief in Him influences how we see ourselves, how we see the world around us, and it affects how we live. Now, okay, could you move to the next slide? Um, the first part of the creed is, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's own Son, our Lord. That is what we believe. Two weeks ago, Bill Ryan reviewed the names and character of God, and I wrote some down, some names of Jesus. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, Alpha and Omega, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the bread of life, captain of salvation. He is the door. He's the good shepherd, the great high priest, king of kings, lamb of God, the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world, redeemer, son of God, the world. Did I miss any? Probably. You probably have your favorite that you have. That Oh, she missed that one. Bill also talked about the attributes of God. Jesus is eternal. He's omnipresent. He's ever-present with us. He's omniscient, omniscient all-knowing and wise. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's immutable. He's faithful and unchanging. And he's equal with God and worshipped as God. And he, we also recognize the works that he has done. He is creator. He is the upholder of all things. He forgives sin, he will raise the dead, and he answers our prayer. So that is what we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. But the creed goes on to give us some more specifics. Uh, the next slide. Jesus, oh, okay. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not another prophet. He was not just a wise teacher. He's not just a concept or an idea. Colossians 1.15 says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
The Greek word for image is icon. Now, I took Greek a long time ago, so I don't know if my pronunciation is right, but icon, and that's where we get the word icon. We think of icon very often as paintings that are on the walls in the homes of Christians who um, are part of the Eastern Orthodox Church. They use these pictures and images to help them worship God. But icon in the Greek also means another thing. It also represents a person or a thing that is a representative of something else. So Jesus here in this word image is a living icon of God. He is all that God is. In Hebrews 3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The word here in uh, representation is the Greek word character. It also means the exact representation, the exact impression, the exact reproduction. And the word character comes from, the, uh, the origin is from the tool to make a mold. You know how children use Play-Doh, and they put the Play-Doh in and they make a mold, and it's perfectly exact, exactly as the mold is. Jesus is that exact mold of God. But it's not just the external features that exactly God. It also refers to an inner character, the stuff that's inside. Jesus is the, the nature and character of God, too. Uh, in, while Jesus lived on earth, he claimed that anyone who knew him knew God. Anyone who saw him saw God. Anyone who received him received God. And to believe in him was to believe in God. And um, God speaks to us in many ways in nature. Now, this photo is a photo that Steve Goldie took. He's not here today. But anyways, he loves to take sunsets. And I think it's because he really feels close to God in nature. So nature, um, creator, Jenna talked last week, we can hear and see God in nature. But Jesus Christ is also... Uh, speaks to us about God, everything he did. Now, can I have the next slide, please? Jesus is also fully human. And we are all very familiar with the Christmas story when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and gave her greetings, and she was greatly troubled. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor in God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Holy Spirit uh, will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. He, his mother went through nine months of pregnancy, went through labor, And sometimes it's very difficult. She had a very difficult one. She was on the road. Jesus grew up as a child, and he learned to play with other children, including his brothers. And that's a really wondrous time, children. Like, Facebook is full of women and their babies and seeing them grow up. They're just so proud. It's hard to imagine, but Mary held that baby and watched him grow up. He went to school with other Jewish boys in the synagogue. He went to Jewish festivals and holidays. He celebrated many things. He went to social events like weddings. I know some of you have lots of weddings this week. This summer, Jesus went to a lot of weddings. 
And he probably had chores around the house, and he learned carpentry as a trade to earn a living. Jesus was also a sinless person, but we will get into that later on as the creed goes down. We talk about his atonement and his redemption abilities. So Jesus is fully human, fully God, but he comes with a purpose. And that is one of the things that I want to spend more time in. Jesus spent his last three years among men, and it's recorded to us. And in those three years, his main purpose was to reveal to us who God was. He showed us the character and nature of God. Everything he did was to make God known to us. Throughout his life, Jesus showed God's love unconditionally and universally to everyone. He loved those who were shunned, marginalized, or despised. He touched um, lepers. Lepers weren't even allowed to be in the same space, live in the same area as the rest of the people. But he spoke to them and he touched them. He interacted with those that were demon-possessed, the people that were really crazy and violent. He had showed dignity to beggars. He forgave prostitutes. He ate with tax collectors. He talked to people that were not part of his culture group. He talked to Samaritans. He healed Roman centurion's son. He was aware and took time with those who were insignificant and powerless. He spent time with young children when other people thought, oh, they're not that important, send them away. When he was at the temple, and there were wealthy, rich men that had all kinds of money that they offered to God. But Jesus noticed the widow who gave only two coins, and that was all she had. He loved and healed the disabled and the deformed. He made those people feel special and important. And I often think of what Jesus must have looked like when they saw his face. I mean, can you imagine no one wanting to be near you and Jesus actually looking into your eyes, touching you, and holding you? Jesus wasn't just an idea. He was there embracing people and making them feel special. So Jesus, as a man, made us, helps us know who he is. And he still does it now. He makes himself known to us. When I was a young girl, my best friend was named Allison. We first became aware of each other in kindergarten because on picture day, we both wore a frilly pink dress. And the teacher made notice of that. So Alice and I were forever the girls who wore the pink dresses. When we continued through school, we were best friends. Um, one of the favorite things that we used to like, like to do, we would pack up a, a paper bag lunch, go on our bikes, go through the ravines in Toronto, we're away for the whole day just exploring through the city. And uh, we went through high, uh, junior school, high school. We went all the way together till we were in grade 13. As much as there were a lot of things that I liked about her, there were a lot of things about her that frustrated me. One of them was I had to walk to school, to her house, and every morning I would call on her. And every morning she was still eating breakfast, combing her hair, and then we had to wait for her mother to finish packing her lunch. She never picked up on the idea that she could have hurried up a little bit. The other thing that really frustrated me with her was her Christianity. I thought it was very backward and very superstitious to have a Christian faith in a modern technological world. 
I tried my best to shoot down her faith and make her come to her senses. By the time we were in grade nine, we discussed Jesus and the Bible a lot. We spent all of our lunch periods together. And so she suggested that I read the book of Mark. And I did. In one night, I read the whole book of Mark. I was trying to find things that I could make fun of the next day. But the more I read through Mark, the more I learned about Jesus. And the more I learned about Jesus, the more I liked him. I really wanted to believe in Jesus, but my mind wouldn't allow me to. So I would have these discussions in my head, and I think now it's, it was God talking to me. It was impossible for me to believe in the existence of God. My head could not get around the existence of God of any kind. I couldn't get around miracles and all those supernatural stuff. The stories of the Gospel of Mark was filled with stuff that made up fairy tales. And in my discussions, God somehow turned the conversation. He said, well, instead of emphasizing on what I can do, can you think about who I am? And it was like the light went on. I was focusing on the things that were not important. He showed me that God, that Jesus was someone that I wanted to believe in, that I could believe in, because he was such a good man. And I, but the, all the intellectual stuff melted away, and all I could do was my heart responded to Jesus Christ. And at that moment, I felt that spiritually, I was home. There was absolute peace and rest. Now, that was my story. I also had a friend in university in a Bible study. He came to Jesus much like me, no Christian background, not from a Christian home, very smart. He was in pre-med. He knew science, physics. His specialty was math. But he went to see, in the 80s or 70s, I don't remember when, the movie The Exorcist. And he was fascinated with demons and how the church handled demon-possessed people. And he went and read the book of Revelations. So different from the Gospel of Mark. And through Revelations, he found Jesus, and he wanted to follow him. You know, it just reminds me that Jesus is the living icon of God, and he reaches out to us so that we can go home. Now, not only did Jesus come to reach out to us, he comes to restore us. He came to restore us to what we were meant to be. Uh, he came to give us eternal life. Can you turn to the next one? What is eternal life? Jesus says this in John 17. Now this is eternal life, that you know the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is more than we died and we have eternal life. Eternal life is knowing who God is. Adam was created in the image of God. God breathed life into him. He was created to be connected with God. And he was complete because he knew God. But that was lost. It was destroyed. Separation came on. And there is no connection with God in that way. When Jesus came to earth... He was creator. 
He knew that people were created with the breath of God, but they didn't understand. He didn't, they, we didn't know what it was like to live a life knowing God. They'd lost their connection with God. We are a people created to know God. If we do not, we are not complete. And the story that illustrates this really well is in John 4, the woman at the well. It is Jesus who initiates the, um, the conversation with her. He says, will you give me a drink? He did not let barriers separate her, separate them. He reached out over the barriers. She was a woman. He was a man. That's a gender barrier. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. That was a religious cultural barrier. She was not accepted by other people. She was alone at the well when no one else was there. She was shunned and she was embarrassed. We don't know her backstory. We knew she had five husbands and the one that she was living with was not her husband at the time. We don't know why she was in that position. Was it her choice? Was it a a matter of uh, necessity? We don't know. It's not important. It wasn't important to Jesus. But he did know what she needed. She had physical needs. The water that she would drink was not, would not satisfy. She would have to drink again. She, he also knew that she had social, emotional, economic needs. He knew about her husband's. And he also knew about her spiritual needs. In their conversation, they started talking about, we Jews worship on this mountain, you worship God over there. And it became spiritual. But Jesus says to her, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. Jesus is telling us that sometimes as people, we confuse religious practices with true worship. It's not whether or not you worship here or you worship this or you worship that. What is eternal life? It's to know God. And so he looked past the practices of religion and he says, I will give you springs of living waters And you won't be satisfied. Everyone who drinks the water uh, that I give them will be waters welling into eternal life. And the woman runs back to town, says, come and see this man who has told me everything I've done. And she says, could this be the Christ? I am thinking she is beginning to realize that Jesus is her creator. And that he is offering her something that she cannot get for herself. Jesus came to restore her to what she was created for. She was created in the image of God. She was created to know God and Jesus personally, not through religion. Jesus offered eternal life to restore her to her connectedness to God. Can I have the next um, slide, please? Now, if Jesus is to restore us and we are Christians... We have this life that we live, and he has come to help us live through the uncertainties of this life. Being fully human, Jesus is our strongest ally to help us through. We're not perfect. We are still learning what it means to follow him. We struggle through life. We have questions. We have fears. We have doubts. Life, young people, gets harder when you get older. I know personally Several women who actually have told me, I don't think God loves me anymore because the circumstances in their lives have just led to disappointment and hurt. 
But the great thing about Jesus being fully human is Hebrews tells us we do not have a high priest who's unable to emphasize, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus came to earth to show us that he can support us and comfort us. He's not an impersonable, faraway God. Now, I could stand here and be as sarcastic and say he's not like that person that throws paper towels to comfort you. He is more than that person. He knows our human limitations and our struggles. Jesus was limited as a human. He gave up the fullness of being God, but he knows what it means to be limited. Uh, Sometimes things are not in control. Things happen to us that we didn't do, that we don't want, but it happens. So he understands that. He has experienced human emotions. Uh, He knows that things will disappoint and make us sad. He stood beside people who had challenges in their life, the sick, the disabled. He grieved with those who grieved. Just think about how he felt when he heard that Lazarus died. I wonder how he felt when Joseph, his earthly father, died. He must have grieved. He provided provisions for people who are in need. He offered comfort to those who are weary and heavy burdened. And he gives encouragement for us who lack faith or if we're scared or if we're even skeptical. You know, Jesus doesn't judge. He holds out his hands and he pulls you out of the storm. He doesn't leave you there. He's there to help. He gives love and forgiveness for any of us who are ashamed and disgraced. And he's patient with us when we make mistakes. But the other thing that Jesus is really good to help us, uh, to comfort us, he knows the tension between human and divine will. He knows that we struggle with doing what we want to do and what we think God wants us to do. He knows our struggles because sometimes it's not easy to love our neighbors. Most of the time, it's very hard to love our enemies. And we all have a problem with humbling ourselves and thinking others better than ourselves. So he knows those struggles. But despite the struggles that Jesus had, he submits and he goes to the cross and he dies. Remember on the cross, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but yours. He goes through struggles with us. And he... Uh, knows that we struggle. A word of encouragement for you guys, don't give up if you're struggling. Maybe you are in doubt. Maybe you are angry. Maybe you have little faith. Don't give up. Ask God the hard questions. He will never give up on you. And he will, through your brokenness, get you to know him better. As we get, and can I have the next slide? As we get to know Jesus deeper and deeper, we'll we, we will be restored more into his image. When he heals us of our brokenness, we can comfort people who are broken. And he brings healing to the voices that have broken to us, broken us. When I was a young girl, I was really big for being a Chinese woman. And I was very clumsy. And the Chinese have this expression, you have hands and legs like a cow literally translated. And my mother would say that to me all the time. She loved me, but those kinds of things hurt. Whenever we had visitors, they would all look at my brother and say, what a good looking young man. And then they would look at me and say nothing. 
These are things that affect you. They're not intentional, but they mold who you are. So I went through my whole life thinking that physically I was really weird. Even in the Chinese church, most of you will know that most of the girls come up here to me, and I really literally feel like the jolly green giant. And it's so embarrassing. I was, I was so positive that no one asked me to be a bridesmaid because I would make their wedding pictures look horrible. And so you go through life thinking that you're worthless and, you know, you're not as perfect as someone else who was the perfect body size. But, you know, God heals us of those things because he, he, he tells you things about yourself and you learn to love yourself because God loves you. Uh, we are ministers of that good news and because God, Jesus comes with grace and we have received grace. This was an important... Uh, when I was teaching... Uh, for a long period of time, I worked with children with dis- de- developmental disabilities. And I became very confused in my role as a teacher. I love teaching children. I love them learning. I love them thinking. I love being there with them. But when I worked with special needs kids, I didn't get it. The first time I took a child out of a wheelchair and put him on the mat, I thought, how can anyone have a body like that? It was just skin and bones, but it was contorted into a shape that was unrecognizable. And I worked with children like this who didn't have physical well-being. They maybe could not eat on their own. They could not talk. And their lives were just there, and I was their teacher. And I remember asking a teacher, I said, I really don't know what my role is. I don't know how to help these children. But as I worked with these children, I realized that their deformity did not hinder them from being loved by God. They, too, were still created in the image of God. And I had to look for that image in God. And they helped me learn to accept people, not based on what they did or what they looked like, but because God created them. Uh, To give them dignity and respect uh, was important. And I knew that my role to them was to be Christ to them. I have become a richer person because I worked with people that you would normally not see on the street. I I had never seen children like this before. They're just not in public. I allowed God to make me more like him. He helped me to love others. And... He restored me into his image, uh, which I think is great. Um, and it's, it's not just a surface thing. Um, I remember once when I was working with a young boy. He was like 200 pounds. He was huge. And he was very unpredictable. One day he grabbed my hair. I went to, into instinct mode, and I had to hold his hand down so he couldn't rip it out because I knew he could have scalped me. While I was holding on to his hands, I was worried about his other hand. This is where you have to uh, um, depend on your staff. It took three other people to hold him down, hold his hands uh, still, while two other people tried to disentangle his hand on my head. When I was freed, my natural first instinct was not to be angry, not to be punitive, because God had put into my heart love for this child that he did not have control over what he was doing, but he needed God's grace. 
And it wasn't something I had to tell myself. God had done the transformation for me. God comes to reveal to us God. He comes to restore us to his original image, that we were made in the image of God. And, he, and we are to be transformed into his image. Does, did Jesus in life ever show anger or displeasure as God? Can I have the next picture? Yes, he did. He was angry with anybody who prevented or hindered anyone from receiving God's mercy and grace. He was angry with the money changers at the temple. He was angry at the Pharisees who um, criticized them for eating with tax collectors and not fasting when they did. They were angry when Jesus was trying to heal on the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus was angry because they were sticking to their laws. They exalted the doctrines of man above knowing God. And he was the example of who God was. He was. They were, through their practices, were robbing people of the joy that God wanted to have them. They put up walls and barriers to shut people out. Our world is in such need of Christ's influence now. Our times are filled with self-serving interests, greed, protectionists, fear. Walls are going up as fast as they're coming down. I don't always know the answers. I'm not as selfless as other people I know. I'm very protectionist. I am fearful. But I know that God is helping me to change. I came across this um, proclamation. Uh, I follow Richard Rohr, and I wanted to read it with you. And I think it sums up my message quite well. He wrote this um, saying that the, and it's based with the church of the U.S. in mind. And this is what he says. We believe each human being is made in the God's image and likeness. That image and likeness confers a divinely decreed dignity, worth, and God-given equality to all of us as children as the one God who is creator of all. Racial bigotry is a brutal denial of the image of God in some of the children of God. Our participation in global community of Christ absolutely prevents any tolerance of racial bigotry. Racial justice and healing are biblical and theological issues for us and are central in the mission of the body of Christ in the world. We give thanks for the prophetic role of the historic black churches in America when they have called for a more faithful gospel. The next one, we believe we are one body. In Christ, there is to be no oppression based on race, gender, identity, or class. And he adds sexual orientation as well. The body of Christ, where those great human divisions are to be overcome, is meant to be an example to the rest of society. When we fail to overcome these oppressive obstacles and even perpetuate them, we have failed in our vocation to the world to proclaim the live and reconcile gospel of Christ. Three, we believe how we treat hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the stranger, the sick, and the prisoner is how we treat Christ himself. Truly, I tell you, just as I did just as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family, you d did it to me. 
God calls us to protect and seek justice for those who are poor, vulnerable, and our treatment of people who are oppressed, strangers, outsiders, and otherwise considered marginal is a test for our relationship to God, who made us all equal in divine dignity and love. Our proclamation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is at stake in our solidarity uh, with the most vulnerable. If our gospel is not a gospel to the poor, then it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my last slide. Jesus is the image of God. He reveals to us what God is like. We are created in the image of God. Jesus restores us to who we were intended to be. We were created to love our God, our Lord, our God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our minds because he loved us. We were created to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you.